You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back into another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Day one of the NFL draft is in the books. I think I speak for the entire show and I say we're a little tired, but we're grinding. It's NFL draft season. And so that's what we do. It was a late night last night. It was a crazy night that saw a record breaking nine trades in the first round, which is absolutely insane. I think there's a lot of winners on day one of the draft, a lot of losers on day one of the draft that we'll get to. But let me welcome in Kate Magic of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. So to start off the show, I'm last night was crazy, right? Like all of the trades and we were talking about justice on the live stream, like you know, all this noise about all these teams trying to get into the top 10 and move up in the draft and nothing was happening. And then it was like, as soon as we got out of the top 10, it was just chaos. And it all kind of unfolded the way that this whole NFL offseason has unfolded. Like, it's just been absolutely insane. It's nuts. I mean, did anyone expect AJ Brown was going to get traded halfway no. through the draft? I mean, <laughs> what happened? Those, those trades are weird because, you know, you think these guys have to pass physicals, which is why guys aren't drafted on uh, or traded on draft day as much. Right. So the fact that like this Hollywood Brown thing, which like, I don't think anyone knew was going to happen. They must've kept that really close to the vest was in motion to the point that like they were picking him up from Vegas to fly him back down to Arizona. Um, interesting uh, situation there. We just like the Christian Kirk effect, right? Like still just rippling throughout the league. The Tennessee Titans reportedly offered AJ Brown 16 million with incentives. That Yikes. was never going to get it done. Like, I don't know who had to break the news to the Titans, but like Christian Kirk signed that contract. Like, that's the new standard for like any contributing wide receiver. I feel like they they were uh, you know, like slipping that little piece of paper back and forth in negotiations and you know, AJ Brown said, like, I want 22 million. And the Titans said, best we can do is $10. Like, <laughs> flat, like, that just seems like that's what their conversation was like. I cannot believe, believe the, uh, the ripple effect here, but um, definitely seems like there was more to this. Uh, and, and obviously the situation has been brewing for a while because, uh, A.J. Brown didn't slightly even seem surprised. Um, Marquise Brown literally uh, was at the Cardinals draft party, which is yeah. nuts like this. 
it, it's really fascinating to see some of the stuff uh, like, you know, there is is more to that behind the scenes. But this is the craziest night one of the draft that I can ever remember. So I want to stick with the Titans here for a second, because I do think we were all shocked by that. Like it was kind of we were expecting, like, if any big wide receiver gets traded, it's Debo Samuel right on, on night one of the draft. And it seemed like. The, the whole Titans thing had kind of been put to bed and they were just going to keep AJ Brown and try to work out a long-term deal. Now, if I'm AJ Brown, like that's 16 million per year with, with however many incentives, like that's just offensive. And, and it is part of like Christian Kirk getting that kind of money. Like I understand AJ Brown's had some minor injuries and stuff. So he, he hasn't really hit his ceiling yet as an NFL player. But we've seen what he is like. We've seen who that dude is and what he's capable of when he is healthy and playing for your team. Like he is a legitimate number one wide receiver in a way that Christian Kirk just isn't. So I don't blame A.J. Brown for that at all. And I I was just absolutely shocked. And I don't think it was a good move for the Tennessee Titans. Like, are are they just banking on we're just going to continue this thing with Derrick Henry moving forward and, and hope that that just keeps winning us football games in a conference where everybody is loading up on offensive weapons and quarterbacks. I I think that's a team that like quietly should be rebuilding, right? Like I understand you, you got the one seed in the AFC last year. Every, everyone kind of like forgets that. Right. But you have to start looking at the future, the contracts that they have right now, the reason they couldn't offer AJ Brown even more money. Right is because they don't really have the cap space right now. A lot of the deals that are taking up a lot of the cap space right now for the team, they can't move the salary around for because they don't want to push it into the future, right? Like what happens if you give if you convert Derrick Henry's uh salary into a signing bonus and now you have all that dead cap moving forward? What happens if you do that for Ryan Tannehill? What happens if you do that for Bud Dupree, right? Like those are the questions you have to answer. Taylor Luan, another one. He's he's on his, his either second, late second or third contract at this point. I kind of am surprised Tennessee didn't take a look at one of these quarterbacks when they were dropping. Um, they still can. That's the crazy part. We only had one quarterback go off the board in night one. And there's like, imagine uh, if Malik Willis just falls into their laps. Like, I, I feel like... Uh, I'm just not sure um, like there's just so many good landing spots heading into the second round here. You've got Seattle at 40 uh, and 41, but um, the Titans uh, in the second round, what, where are they picking? Do they have a second round pick? Yes. They are picking number 35. Picking 35. They probably Uh, have to move up from the league. You'd think from there, but I mean, that's a pretty soft, landing spot right we always talked about how Malik all the talent in the world probably needs a year or two to kind of figure it out I mean if Ryan Tannehill is there it's not like he's going to beat Ryan Tannehill out for playing time in the immediate future at least so I, I, like, I just think I'd it would like be such a smart spot. move and it would it would really I think open things up in terms of like it you know just as you mentioned the rebuilding phase um you know if if you're planning to move on from Ryan Tannehill at any point in the foreseeable future, get one of these rookie quarterbacks under contract and, you know, enjoy those few years you have where you're not going to have to pay a lot of money. He doesn't need to start right away with Ryan Tannehill, but um, 
you know, give them a year of development and then you're kind of good to go from there on. So I want to focus on the Eagles for a second here where it feels like they kind of stole the show last night. (laughs) Sure did. I mean, we we heard it from the Twitter spaces that we were hosting during the draft. The Eagles fans could not stop talking about the Eagles. They love it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, me and Justice were doing a Twitter spaces for SB Nation last night, and it was it just got completely taken over by Eagles fans (laughs) who were just everybody celebrating Howie Rosemid. Like we're back on the, on the Eagles train, Jalen hurts. Let's go. And adding AJ Brown and and then getting Jordan Davis, which I think was a huge need for them. Like the Eagles, I think were big winners on day one of the NFL draft and they had to give AJ Brown the money, but that's the cost of doing business. And you still have Devontae Smith, who I think is going to be a really good player, and he's on his rookie contract. So it, it works out for the Eagles in a huge way, and I think they're all of a sudden, like, coming out of day one of the NFL draft, you're like, oh, the, the Eagles could make some noise in that division now. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think the Giants are serious. I don't think the Commanders are serious. So if anyone's going to give the Cowboys a push in the East, it's going to be the Eagles. I mean, you're going to figure out if Jalen Hurts is the guy this year too, right? If he can't get it done this year with the tools around him, um, that's probably when they get clarity on like, okay, this guy probably isn't our our quarterback of the future moving forward. He was a nice rookie contract, a good bridge quarterback between Wentz and whenever we we take a big swing at our next guy. But um, I I think that's what the big narrative from this is is uh gonna come out on i i know we had fans that were uh joking super bowl super bowl after the aj brown trade but they also grabbed jordan davis they they jumped the ravens for jordan davis i mean when the second move you made in the first round of the draft gets framed as you know yeah you just grabbed the most athletic defensive lineman in the history of the sport had a pretty good night you had a pretty good night yeah i think uh like you know, in regards to the Eagles, we need to we need to address this from a fantasy perspective because I need to talk about Jalen Hurts. There have been so many questions, obviously, about like, uh, are the Eagles going to be committed to Jalen Hurts long term? But looking at the immediate, it's really, really hard not to figure that if healthy Jalen Hurts is a lock for a top five finish in 2022 am i wrong is he a top five quarterback for fantasy football i totally agree because like we've seen the last two years just because of his ability to run the football that he's got high like qb1 upside and that's when he's kind of struggled as a passer now he's got the wide receiver that they needed because that's the big thing that last year they didn't have like they just didn't have a guy who could out physical other corners and, and like win the those like 50 50 balls. And AJ Brown is a hundred percent that guy and he's really explosive as a player. So I think it helps the whole offense. And I, Jalen hurts. I wouldn't be shocked if he's like the number one fantasy quarterback next year. I would not at all. He ranked number one in rushing yards in 2021. Uh, finished as a quarterback one in 10 out of his 15 games last year. And that was a year, like you said, he didn't have, uh, you know, many strong weapons. I think just AJ Brown's presence alone, like you mentioned the physicality, I think that's such a nice compliment to the skill set of Devonta Smith, like give him room to be like, a, you know, a technician uh, and let AJ Brown be like the, the physical guy who can also be explosive 
this is just such a nice complement of weapons. We haven't even talked about Dallas Goddard. Like, there's a lot to like about this team for fantasy next year. Uh, and I think we have to we have to be pretty stoked for Jalen Hurts just moving forward. I think the commitment that they've made to getting him more weapons, like that just tells you everything you need to know. They're 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 giving this dude a shot. Remember last offseason when this job was open, right? The two the two jobs, it was the Chargers job was really the last one that that the high level candidates really considered. And then once it was just the Texans and the Eagles job, the head coaching candidates just full on like pulled out, right? Um like guys like Dayball, right? Just said like, okay, I'm just going to go be the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills again. And now you look at this team, they got all the skilled players in the world. Why wouldn't you want this gig? Right. I think it's going to be a great spot for Jalen hurts um, from a fantasy perspective, just the, the rushing quarterback stuff, right? Like we see that these guys get boosted year after year. So you got all the talent in the world. You got some legs. I mean, I I'd bet on him being the top five finisher. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for this Eagles offense. Um, it, it was just shocking to to see last night, but yeah, they've got a lot of upside headed into next season. I, I want to get back to Marquise Brown and the uh, Ravens shipping him to the Arizona Cardinals, where uh, he actually said uh, this morning that he requested the trade after the season, and, and to him, it was just he didn't feel like he was fitting in the Ravens offense and maybe living up to his potential. So he requested the trade. So apparently Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have known about this for quite some time and focusing on the Ravens here, because we saw what Lamar Jackson tweeted last night after they took a center in the first round, the WTF tweet, which I think that's what it has to do with not, not the Hollywood Brown trade, but I am curious what the Ravens are doing here because I think they had a fantastic night one of the NFL draft. Like I, I loved everybody that they came away with, but Lamar Jackson is out here. Like I got Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews, like give me some more weapons. I, I need guys to throw to. I got last year. I finally got hurt because I was doing everything for this offense. I need some help here. I just, I get that the compensation that they got back for Hollywood Brown basically turned into like the, the 27th overall pick in terms of like the net return. Hollywood is going to ask for one of these contracts, right? Like he's, if he gets offered 16 million, he's probably going to say no right per year. Um, he's going to get paid. He's in a contract year. I get wanting to move off of Hollywood Brown. You're going to end up saving, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars per year in cap space. You got the 27th pick. He ran through his contract, his contract on the rookie deal. I get it from like the perspective of like Lamar saying like, I want some help, but what are we going to do with the NFL right now? I mean, everyone's going crazy. Everyone needs three wide receivers. There, there's not three right wide receivers per team. It's costing everyone up the butt. Like what, what's the solution? I don't know. Like maybe you just do invest in defense. You do invest in offensive line. And you say, like, look, we'll figure it out with some wide receivers at some point. Like, we'll, we'll draft and develop some of these guys in the later rounds. I mean, I get the frustration, though, for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I think the bigger question mark is, like, what is he um, what is he going to do as he's in this position to be negotiating his next contract? Like, 
he doesn't really have the time and the luxury to say like, let's develop some of these later round wide receivers. He needs to produce now. And maybe that's the issue of him being so, uh, you know, part it, it's like this, um, this back and forth conundrum. Like, uh, yes, he's not in a rush to negotiate his contract because you know, the, um, the market keeps getting reset for quarterbacks and he's going to have an opportunity to make so much money if he's patient, but also if he's not surrounded by the right rep, right weapons, he could be missing out on, you know, some money if he doesn't perform up to par. And we talk about the Christian Kirk contract a lot about how, you know, that has ripple effects, but the one that we haven't really talked about is the Deshaun Watson contract. I mean, him getting fully guaranteed money is a massive deal, right? Like that in isolation would have been huge news if any quarterback signed a fully guaranteed contract for, for the terms that he agreed to. Um, there was that report that came out that was like NFL owners are like very mad at Cleveland about that fully guaranteed contract to the point where they're like, no, make them pay the make them pay the Baker Mayfield deal too. Then, if they, if they want to hose up the entire uh, market, so yeah, I mean this Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, like these contracts are still lingering, right? Um, it's funny that that that's the deal that was made for uh, Hollywood Brown, but I think uh, in the summer we're going to really focus on you know those two deals. You're going to hear about you know the discontent uh, on both sides about about getting a long term deal done because. If you're Lamar, I don't want to play a damn a damn down without another contract, right? Like, I'll hold out like OTAs, all that stuff. But find me. I do like the idea that the entire NFL is just like, screw you, Cleveland. Keep Baker. <laughs> you have to pay for him now too. This is. This is the cost of what you did. You have to keep Baker Mayfield on the roster and deal with these awkward practices and pay him a bunch of money to not play. I, it's it's great. I mean, if you're Atlanta, right, you're like, look, I lost Matt Ryan over this. You can pay Baker. You You can afford it. So looking at the Arizona Cardinals in this trade, and I like Hollywood Brown as a player. Like I, I think he is a good NFL wide receiver. And he did go on a run early in the season last year where he was like putting up like legitimate top 10 wide receiver numbers, but he's struggled with consistency. He's had a big problem with drops. Like I don't view him as a wide receiver that should command like one of these top end contracts. Now that's the cost of doing business right now. And somebody probably would give him that, but is, is Hollywood Brown really that different from Christian Kirk, like the wide receiver that they let walk and he got paid by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, I feel like it's, you're just replacing Christian Kirk with Hollywood Brown. And I feel like they're kind of similar style players. I like Hollywood speed a whole lot more. I think that there's a lot more upside. I mean, Kirk, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk never breaks a thousand yards with, with the Jaguars, which like I think would be a surprise for, you know, Hollywood being there with Kyler Murray. Um, that's just my general thought. But the the Cliff Kingsbury stuff is hilarious. Like he's just never not going to spend a crazy amount of money for a third wide receiver at this point. Right. Like it's going to be year after year. Once once uh, Nuclees like just assume they're trading up the draft for a wide out. Um, a weird situation. I mean, these wide receivers flew off the board too. I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why the Cardinals made the trade. When Jahan Dotson goes 16 and you have two trade-ups at 11 and 12 for Chris Olave and Jamison Williams to be the third and fourth wide receivers 
off of the board. Tennessee takes Traylon Burks at 18. I kind of get why they had to like jump and, and, and make a decision because they were sitting there at 23. A wide receiver wasn't going to be there for them to take, right? Like once Burks went off the board, another wide receiver was not drafted in the first round. George Pickens, uh, Chris Watts, uh, Christian Watson are still out there hanging out there, but apparently teams didn't think that they were first round picks. I think that kind of matches like the narrative that we have been hearing recently. So that that wasn't really surprising for me. I, I was surprised at the speed at which these wide receivers went off. But I think there was like uh, I think the NFL teams did a good job of recognizing like the tear break there. Um, George Pickens, obviously coming back from a, a torn ACL, didn't look uh, like the wide receiver one that he had been projected to be, you know, ahead of this draft. But uh, you know, George Pickens, if, if you guys have followed, you know, some of the, the narratives with, I think it was the athletic that posted just anonymous comments from scouts. It sounds like people just weren't crazy about him, like as a, as a person, as an interviewer, um, that was just sort of the vibe I got. So it, it kind of matches and you know what, Christian Watson, fantastic athlete, but I, I do think that he's not a, uh, necessarily a full blown and developed wide receiver. He's a bit of a project. So I feel like the, the NFL did a great job uh, in terms of distinguishing the tier break here it, between first round and second round projects. The one surprise for me though, was Dotson Dotson going that high. I don't know if I had seen him mocked that high. I don't know if I'd seen anyone with the opinion that he should be going that high. He was a guy that like you saw him in first rounds, every once in a while, but it was like at the end of the first round, like I saw him mock to green Bay at like 28. If there wasn't someone there at 22, just, uh, I, I did not expect Burks and Dotson not being there at 22 for the Packers when they had a wide receiver need. I don't know if I would have turned in the pick for either one of those guys, but them not even being there is shocking to me. I'm actually kind of surprised those guys flew up so high off of the boards and Pickens isn't getting the look. Watson isn't getting the look. Yeah, I, I don't really understand what's happening with George Pickens because I think he's a stud and I, I desperately want the Chiefs to find a way to get him in round number two. But like Kate mentioned, it's there's these reports that teams just did not fall in love with him like during the interview process. So I, I'm not sure how much that is weighing, but it's just when you look at uh, his career, like he, he does everything that you want a wide receiver to do in the NFL. Like he's... He's a physical guy. He's an explosive guy. He likes blocking, which a lot of teams covet now for wide receivers. So I, I don't really understand the fall there, but we'll see where he goes on day two. I, I do want to talk about the Detroit Lions. They take Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall, and then they trade all the way back up to number 12 with the Minnesota Vikings to take Jamison Williams. I think that the Lions are moving in a good direction right now. And Speak it's on it. It's hard to like buy into that because it's the Lions. And normally I'm like, oh man, I love Jamison Williams and I wanted him to go to a good spot. And he wound up in Detroit. Now I feel bad for him, but I actually don't think it's a terrible spot. I feel like the Lions, for the first time in a really long time, are moving in a decent direction. And they've got a, a second round pick that they could still, you know, draft a quarterback if they want. They're at number 46. So there might still be a Desmond Ritter there or a Malik Willis if he continues to slide, if they want to take another quarterback and you know develop him behind Jared Goff this upcoming season. I like what the Detroit Lions did on day one of the draft. And it's a the pretty Detroit crazy Lions, trade. 
Like, if you look at that trade, they moved up 20 spots in the first round, and all they gave up was dropping down 12 spots in the second and giving up a third-round pick. That's crazy for Jameson, who, if he was healthy, he would have been in – if Jameson was healthy, he might have been in the conversation for the first overall pick, right? Like, he could have been the first wide receiver drafted first overall since Keyshawn Johnson. I, I don't think that's a stretch. Like, he was the one guy who was able to produce against that Georgia defense that was a record breaker, and him going down in the national title swung that game. So I really like it for, for Detroit. I still kind of question, like, the whole – is Jared Goff going to start 17 games for you? Because you guys seem pretty not happy with him starting all those games last year. But they do still have that second-round pick. We'll see if they use it on a guy like Malik or a guy like Ritter or even Sam Howell. Um, Still some narratives to unfold on day two of the draft. I think though that like, let's give, let's give the Lions some credit. They started kind of moving in the right direction. I think last year, like mm-hmm. that was a much better team. Uh, you know, when you watched them play football, much better team than uh, the final scores and their overall record of the 2021 season would have indicated uh, I like you just saw this team that really there was no point, um, you know, in, in their their stretch of games there where teams could just kind of throw in the towel and say, OK, we're done. We're good. Like it, they kept teams in the conversation to keep playing and keep, uh, you know, they, they could never lax coverage, really. They, they could never just throw in the towel before the game was over because this is the team that kept clawing their way back. Uh, pardon the pun for lions. Lions have claws, right? Yeah. Yeah. They kept clawing their way back in and they, I I don't know. They, they showed a lot of fight. I liked the leadership. You saw it in Dan Campbell um, with the, the biting kneecaps and all that stuff. Like it seems like this team started moving in the right direction. And I think it just um, carried over into this draft on the Jared Goff note though. Like, I obviously the Rams uh, weren't committed to him uh, as a long-term option after they gave him a big contract, but let's not forget that they did give him this very lucrative contract at the point where Jared Goff actually got paid. They thought for a moment that he could be their next guy. I think if you give, uh, you know, Jared Goff some more weapons and um, you know, even looking at like the, players he had around him last year did not have a suitable wide receiver court. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was not healthy. DeAndre Swift, not healthy. Get him a healthy uh, receiving core and add Jamison Williams into that mix. And I think we could be looking at, at maybe a different Jared Goff, but maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I think the Lions offense is kind of intriguing for fantasy football. Like, yeah, James I love that you can't say any of this without a giggle. <laughs> like everything has had like a tone of a giggle. Well, every time you say the Lions, one of my rules in fantasy football when drafting my teams is just no Lions. And it, it works <laughs> out for me usually. Uh, at least it has pretty much my entire fantasy football life. Um but TJ Hawkinson is a guy with a lot of upside and Amon Ross St. Brown coming into his second year is a guy that's got some upside. If once Jamison Williams is healthy and on the field, he's got a lot of upside as a rookie. And I love Deandre Swift. Like all of a sudden this lions team is a little intriguing. So excited to see where they go. I want to talk about the new Orleans saints because 
they kind of started the the trade chaos, right? Like we saw uh, Drake London go number eight overall to the Falcons, then the Jets, who have been trying to get a wide receiver, take Garrett Wilson number ten overall, and the Saints said. We can't wait anymore. Chris Olave, I would have to imagine, was their number one wide receiver on the board, and they said, we got to move up and get him. And they did. I think it's a good move. I think Chris Olave is going to be a really good player for them. And I'm excited to see like a what Jameis Winston looks like with some weapons. We talked about Michael Thomas a little bit last night. We just have no idea what they still have in Michael Thomas. And so I'm curious to see how that's all going to work, but I'm intrigued by that. Now it's, you have to feel a lot better about their pass catchers than you did going into the draft. Chris Olave on turf. I mean, that that's going to be a sight to see for the next, you know, eight years or something. I I was kind of surprised Washington was willing to move down though from 11. I mean, if they were going to take a wide receiver, yeah, I understand you're trading back, you're getting the picks, all that stuff. But the difference between Chris Olave and to me, Jahan Dotson, like, I would have just taken Chris Olave at 11. I, I don't know why you have to trade back for Dotson. So, I don't know. I, I think the Saints got the best of uh, Washington there. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure uh, why Washington did it. But, yeah, to me, it says the Saints were like, we feel like a wide receiver run is coming and we got to go up and get our guy. Well, you know, they, they can't help themselves, right? Like, that's yeah. always been the thing with the Saints. So, I'm, I'm not shocked that they got, went up and grabbed Chris Olave. The thing I wasn't expecting is the the Lions moving up right after them at 12, right? So, like, who who would have expected the Lions to jump 20 spots for a wide receiver? I mean, if anything, people probably would have guessed, like, Malik Willis or something like that at quarterback. And why yeah. wouldn't they have moved up in that spot, though? Just as you mentioned, like, the compensation to move that far up the board, just no-brainer. Like, absolute yeah. no-brainer. I would have moved up for for that price. I can't believe it. Like, uh, what's his, uh, the the Vikings general manager, right? It's supposed to be Ivy League analytics, all this stuff, and you kind of got sw- swindled, bud. Like, uh, Jamison Williams is in normal twelfth overall pick. Like, I don't know. I don't know if the draft board is uh, the data points are necessarily showing like what what this type of move is. But I feel like this was the kind of trade that like the entire league saw. And like, as soon as they saw the terms, they're like, man, I would have done that. Like that that fantasy trade, like that goes down in your league and you're just like, oh my God, like I could have had player X for literally nothing. And I just didn't even think to ask like the, the lions were that team that was like, Hey, I'll toss you a couple of niblets uh, for the best wide receiver in the class. And uh, somehow they bought so i good for them like good for them i feel the same way about the aj brown trade too i'm like i would have done that like if you need a wide receiver oh. i would have done that the cardinals had to have been like damn it <laughs> what <laughs> why we've been working on this hollywood brown trade for weeks they finally agree to it and then aj brown gets shipped and we're just sitting here like damn i feel like the cardinals must have been like damn it like there were so many, or the uh, the Jaguars must have been like, oh my god, like what did like what were we doing? We we could have had <laughs> AJ Brown instead. We gave Christian Kirk the keys to our franchise. Like what were we thinking? It, it's just it it is. I guess you never know until you ask. That's the lesson here. So I, I think this is a sign that the Lions are moving in the right direction, right? Because. 
what we were hearing kind of going into the draft was that there were a lot of teams interested in trading into the top 10 possibly, but it seemed like the asking price to get into the top 10 was way too much. And so the smart team said, okay, well, once we get outside of the top 10, we think that we can get value the rest of the way in the first round by moving up. And so we saw a ton of trades after that. And it was all by organizations that for the most part, I, I deem to be like smarter organizations who found value in trading up to get the players that they wanted. And the lions were just one of those teams last night. It was just really surprising. But let's take a quick time out right here. And when we get back, uh, we will get into some of our, some more of our winners and losers from day one of the NFL draft, as well as some of the best available players on day two. And that definitely includes the New York Jets and the New York Giants. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kate Majuk of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Talking nothing but NFL draft, day one in the books. We've already talked a ton about all the trades and the moves that we liked and the ones that we were kind of scratching our heads about. But let's talk about some teams that we we came away impressed with a, a little bit more after day one of the NFL draft. I think the New York Jets absolutely crushed this thing like i i think that it could not have fallen better for them and then i really thought when the chiefs decided to trade up to 21 it was to take jermaine johnson and they didn't they took cornerback trent mcduffie and so they're able to get back into the first round at number 26 and get jermaine johnson who was a guy that was getting all kinds of like draft hype to climb into the top 10 and then is available late first round i think the jets really really had a good night in night one of the nfl draft i think the jets uh probably would have been uh considering johnson at four so for him just to fall back into their laps they definitely had a great night um i think my like biggest winner and as a steelers fan i hate to say it but i'm going with the ravens despite the fact that yes they trade away hollywood brown they didn't go with a wide receiver in the first round but I mean, they got truly just absolute dominant value in the first round of the draft. And I think, um, you know, the fact that they had that that flexibility and, and they, I, I don't know, I think like Kyle Hamilton at 14, like that is yep. a, a bizarre uh, turn of events for me. And they get a pick that, you know, easily could have gone, I don't know what top six, like at, at 14 falling into their laps. Like that was a team that I think took advantage of the best players available on the board. Uh, and they just, they crushed it. Yeah. I mean, Ravens also the Linderbaum pick. I really like Linderbaum at, at 25 for them. Well, um, Lamar didn't, but I like it too. Yeah. I, I, Lamar, I, like I was it. actually, I was puzzled by Lamar's reaction and I, cause I, I mean, you know, a, like a good center that that can be, um, you know, a, a center part of a literal, a literal center part of your offensive line. And like as a quarterback, you need um, a, a good center. You need a, a center that you have a rapport with and that you can count on and rely on. And it, like I was kind of just puzzled overall by that reaction. Um, and I don't know if you guys have any more insight. Is it just the fact that he wanted a wide receiver? Because I don't think 
there are any that I would have wanted uh, to see come off the board right there specifically. Yeah, if, if your team wasn't in on Pickens, I, I don't understand why anyone would have been begging for someone to draft after after Burks went, right? So I don't know. The, the other team I would bring up, the Eagles, um, we haven't touched on them yet uh, in this part of the podcast at least, but cannot understate like AJ Brown, Jordan Davis, like, Hey, that's a, that's a good draft in and of itself. And you still have some more picks to make. So I, I like that. Um, the giants are interesting too. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, those are two guys that had been rumored to be number one overall picks at different points in this draft cycle. Right. And you get them at five and seven. I mean, talking about a rebuilding team, you get two guys in the trenches who are hopefully, you know, going to impact your franchise for the next 10 years. I mean, it's hard, hard to have a better draft than that. So I, I agree. I, I think the Giants also had a very good day. I do want to talk about Kyle Hamilton for another second because we, we kind of glossed over that when we were talking about the Ravens trades and stuff like that. That is such a Baltimore Ravens pick, and he is oh, yeah. such a perfect fit. Like He is going to be a day one playmaker for the Baltimore Ravens. I love that pick. I can't believe they got him at 14. Like that. The Ravens were just like, yes, that is everything we want in the world. Like that <laughs> is to the, the podium. Guy. Yes. It, it, I can't believe they got it. It's just Baltimore is just a good organization and they always seem to like get those guys that wind up being cornerstones in the spots that they're, that you're supposed to draft those guys. And then they always seem to find help later in the draft too. Like they're just a good organization. That Kyle Hamilton pick was absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's, I loved it's very funny that the Eagles were like, we have to jump Baltimore for Jordan Davis. We can't let him get can't let them get Jordan Davis. And then they get Kyle Hamilton. And re, we're reacting the same way. It's like, Oh, they did it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love what they did there and the giants. Yeah. It's, New regime, it seems like the Giants are moving in a really good direction. And I was kind of hoping uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was going to slide a little bit more because of all the rumors we were hearing of, you know, Jay Glazer was saying the Chiefs were even offering up next year's first round pick to like get up high and get an edge rusher. And he wound up not even falling past number five. And that's I I, I don't think he should have fallen past number five. Like that is another guy that I think you're like, wait, the best edge rusher is still available at number five. Okay. <laughs> our pick is in. Let's go. Let's roll. So the giants got to be feeling like, Hey, we, we picked like first overall twice, right? Like as far as we talked about this, as far as losers, how do you guys feel? Because I have two that kind of stand out at the top of the draft. Cause it's funny, you know, Kyle Hamilton, Jordan Davis, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave. We're talking about all these guys. That's the tail end of the run of kind of the first half, right? Like the, the top 14, and then I feel like there was a huge teardrop after that top 14. We stopped seeing all these te teams trading up, and we're getting back down to the teams that traded down. 15-16, Kenyon Green guard Texas A&M for the Houston Texans. That seemed so high. I mean, that was a guy that like people talked about with uh, the Dallas Cowboys maybe in the first round. And then Jahan Dotson, who, again, we talked, we mentioned earlier in this in uh, this podcast, getting drafted at 16, which is like, maybe 10 picks higher than I had seen him get drafted in, in like any mock draft. So those are the two big ones that I'm like, I don't know the Houston Texans too, by the way, the reason no one had them taken a corner and they went Derek Stingley third overall is because lovey Smith runs is old school. Like we would just run spot drop zone. They drafted a main corner. 
and, and Sauce Gardner is kind of in the same situation with the Jets and Salah, who obviously is going to run a bunch of cover three and stuff for them. So I don't really get why these corners went off the board so high to these specific teams. Like they're good players. I just, it feels like, uh, remember when Lovey Smith had Daryl Rivas in Tampa and everyone was like, why are you using him like that? Feels like these two guys are going to be pigeonholed in those kind of situations. Daryl Rivas was in Tampa, like signed a big contract and had like the worst season of his career. And that he went on to win a Super Bowl after that. It was still yeah. absolutely. It was incredible. like, oh, he was misused. They did not use Rivas in the way you should use Rivas. Like, that's how I feel about Stingley and Gardner right now. Yeah, I, I think I really ag- uh, agree with you on the Texans. I, I didn't I just didn't love what they were doing. And you know, for a team that I, I'm not really sure if they know what direction they're moving in right now or, or, or where this thing goes from here, because they just have so many holes on the roster. I don't you know, I don't trust Davis Mills. And even if they really like him, like I, I just don't know where they're really headed as an organization, but I, I think one of my biggest losers and I'm sorry, Kate is the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Kenny Pickett at number 20 overall, which I was just absolutely shocked by. Like I, it was not what I was expecting. I expected them to take a quarterback, but when they legitimately had their pick of any quarterback on the board, I was like, you got to run to the podium with Malik Willis here. Or we talked about Desmond Ritter going to them on this show a couple of weeks ago. And I thought that was a really good fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they decided to go with Kenny Pickett. And I was just like, wow, that was, that was not the guy I thought they were going to take there. No, I'm, uh, it's still hard to talk about guys. Uh, I'm, <laughs> the wounds are I'm really disappointed, uh, especially with the fact that if we did not, uh, like it, having our our pick and our choosing of any of these quarterbacks and then still pivoting back to Mal- or uh, pivoting away from Malik Willis, it seems absolutely insane to me. Like I, I figured they would absolutely roll with Kenny Pickett if Malik Willis had been drafted first. And, and, you know, obviously there's a comfort level there with Kenny Pickett. They know him. They know his play style. That's all great. Um, You don't know how he's going to play with those teeny tiny hands in the dead of winter. Like everybody says, we've already seen him play in Pittsburgh. No, you haven't. Because if anybody's been in Pittsburgh and trust me, I lived Pittsburgh winters for several years and they're brutal. The worst part of winters are like December, January, February. And that's, that's not what Kenny Pickett has played with. We've already seen fumble issues at the collegiate level, give him a bigger ball. I'm not, I'm not buying the fact that his hand got bigger with, you know, (laughs) between the combine like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna roll with that. Um, If Kenny Pickett hits and like, there's absolutely the potential for me to be wrong. uh, Like you just have to be banking on so many things to be outliers when you're looking at his NFL draft profile. And when I put, you know, contingencies and, and I start listing out all of these contingencies, like, well, uh, for him, you know, he's going to have to uh, be the outlier in this category. He'll have to be the outlier in that category. In this category, like once I start putting all of those contingencies on the pick, I start to wonder, is this the right pick? And the Steelers blew it. I, they, they went with, I think a, a guy that, 
you know, probably has a, a much safer floor maybe than Malik Willis, but I think the ceiling is so much lower and I literally had tears in my eyes and I'm not exaggerating. So Steven and I were fielding questions from uh, or comments, really. I mean, it wasn't questions from Steelers fans during the uh, Twitter spaces that we had. And they're bringing up Bubby Brister, all, all sorts of stuff. There was a, a lot of heated arguments about <laughs> if Bubby Brister was part of the dark, the dark years of, of Steelers quarterbacking. Um, people were saying like, hey, my my dad got to live through the dark years of Steelers quarterbacking. I'm happy I get my turn so I can have my war wounds and tell my kids. It's <laughs> It was a tough situation. It doesn't seem like Steelers fans are, are rooting for the hometown kid. Someone said, like, is this a is this the makeup uh, for passing on Dan Marino? Like, <laughs> in, in That's literally all I heard is, is um, you know, like that was the narrative on Twitter all night long is that this was like a fear pick. Uh, a, uh, let's not make the same mistake twice kind of pick. And any pick made out of fear uh, is like a no-go for me. I just think the Steelers had an opportunity to kind of hit the reset button. And instead they went with a guy that I, I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting. Cause I, I think obviously you see a lot of positive qualities with Kenny Pickett, but it, you know, it, he's a very late bloomer. Um, it, the small hands, all of these things together point to concerns like this, this dude needed to play with two gloves at the collegiate level with a smaller ball. Like and already had fumbling issues with the two gloves and a smaller ball. Like, is anybody not like I get everybody wants to say the hands thing shouldn't matter that much, but like my my go to thing is like, did X quality uh, affect the play of this particular player at the collegiate level? Like sometimes when we look at wide receivers, if we're considering you know like lack of speed, I'm like, well, did lack of speed uh, mess with their tape? Uh, and did they look slow on tape? If the answer is no, and it didn't affect their game, then like disregard it. But Kenny Pickett's hands are small and yes, it absolutely affected his play at the collegiate level. So yeah, I'm going to be concerned because there was already a fumbling problem. Do you think Trubisky starts the entire season? Can, can Pickett beat out Trubisky? I think that, uh, just, the Steelers as an emotional, like I, I feel like the Steelers are one of the most emotional kind of teams. Like I don't, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but I think the Steelers get very emotionally involved with their, their organization, which is like a, a good thing. Cause you're, you're looking at the players as people. That's fantastic. Um, but sometimes I think they make emotional decisions. And on that basis, I do think that they're going to give Kenny Pickett a shot do I want to see Kenny Pickett in year one? No, I'd like to see what Mitch Trubisky can offer. Cause I do think that like we've, we've already seen some special things from Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, albeit on an inconsistent basis, but I, I definitely, I think Kenny Pickett sees the field. Um, like I would put the over under at like eight and a half weeks. And I'd probably take the under honestly. Just knowing the Steelers. Yeah, it's it's just curious based on kind of process of quarterback evaluation and, and the way it has kind of changed over the last several years where 
we're seeing a lot more teams take chances on guys with just high athletic profiles and saying like, we can develop this guy because he's got, he's got the tools. He's got the arm. He's got, he's got the speed. He's got all of that stuff. We can develop him into an NFL passer because he's got the gifts. He just needs to be molded a little bit. Kenny Pickett just doesn't scream any of that to me. Like Malik Willis is that guy. And I, I think Desmond Ritter can be that guy. Kenny Pickett. It, it just isn't that guy in my opinion. So I, I think it's a questionable pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers, but we'll, we'll see how it works. One more questionable pick before we get to some of our favorite players uh, left on day two of the NFL draft. New England Patriots shocks the world by taking Cole Strange at number 29. And if you guys haven't seen it, there's a clip of uh, Rams head coach Sean McVay and general manager Les Snead reacting to the pick and saying, oh, we thought that guy was going to be available at number 104. What a waste of time. And Bill just said, nope, I don't care. I'm taking him at number 29, even though we had a perfectly serviceable guard that we shipped to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for basically free. He was a guy that was being mocked, you know, maybe second, third round range, uh, you know, kind of middle day two. I did not like him when I watched the film. And yes, I'm the sick bastard who watched UT Chattanooga <laughs> film on all 22 because he, he fit the Packers uh, kind of like offensive line thresholds. One of the funnier things I saw on Twitter all day, Tim O'Risky, I believe is how you say his name, PFF Moo on Twitter. Um, he says, two Patriots users picked Cole Strange in the first round of the PFF mock draft simulator. Patriots fans had a total of 783,000 mock drafts. He posted one of them, uh, one of the two of the 83 or 783,000 mock drafts that actually selected Cole Strange in the first round. And it was a mock draft in which someone used or controlled all 32 teams in the NFL and they only drafted white players. <laughs> so to say that this uh, was an unexpected pick is a little bit underrated. But I will say the strange 69 jerseys going to go out and fly like hotcakes in, in the <laughs> New England area. It's, it seems like that that's a perfect fit. It would be fantastic if that's just like their number one selling jersey next season. Like, I mean, they they, dra they drafted a full like full cage face mask offensive lineman in, in the first round of this draft. That's crazy. It's it's twenty twenty two. I thought I thought we stopped making those guys. Oh yeah, he's going to be a fan favorite quick. I bet. And I actually lied before we get to our favorite players left on day two. I got to ask you, Justice, about the Packers and not selecting a wide receiver in round one. Do you still feel good about the players that they added, or do you kind of view their round one as a loser since they just chose? Hey, we're we're still not going to draft wide receivers in round one. We just refuse to. No, I mean if the if the Asking price for one of these wide receivers is a first and a third. You could trade a future first and a third after the draft for one of these guys, right? Like the Debo Samuel situation hasn't been figured out. We'll see what happens with DK Metcalf. We'll see what happens with Terry McLaurin. But like where they were drafting, there wasn't a wide receiver for them to take at 22 if they didn't feel Jordan Pickens was, was or George Pickens was going to be a first round pick, right? So what, what else did you want him to do? You wanted him to draft Christian Watson at 22? That was my nightmare this entire offseason. I'm not advocating for that. So when these wide receivers flew off of the board at, you know, 10, 11, 12, that's when I knew, like, there's just no way Green Bay's going to trade up for one of these guys. You might as well pivot to another position. And they grabbed my favorite linebacker in the draft in Quay Walker. Um, Devontae Wyatt has off-field stuff that's pretty disappointing. But, like, as far as him as a defensive lineman, I don't think there's many left in this draft, like, 
Logan Hall is probably the only other guy I think could get, come in and contribute day one as an interior guy. So, like, I, I get it. I mean, their defense is going to be monsters moving forward. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I don't think that there was a wide receiver left, and it might have been Traylon Burks if he didn't go number 18 to the Titans, who had just shipped A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. So it was like... Well, I'm more I'm more bummed they weren't involved in the A.J. Brown trade than I am that they didn't pick a, a wide receiver in the first round, right? Because that's the one where, again, we say like, hey, I would have done that, or like even, you know, depending on what the Vikings situation was, like if, if they would have given up so little for the Packers to move up to like uh, 12 or whatever, like that's something I would have done, but for them not to pick one at 22 or 28, like, I, Hey, I get it. Like the, the board was decimated. Wide receivers are the stock is going up. Yeah. If I was the Kansas city chiefs, I knew AJ Brown was available. I would have been like, I'll give you a first round pick. I'll give you a second round pick. I'll give you a third round pick. Like, would, you, would you have given up both first for AJ? I wouldn't have wanted to. I would have tried not to, but I probably would because <laughs> AJ Brown, I think, is just that special of a player. You'd be easily convinced. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Devontae was, what, a whole contract older and the Packers got a first and a second? So, like, you'd think that they would get more than that back. Like, I don't know. I probably would have given up 22 and 28. Or, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. More disappointed in that than uh, them not going wide receiver in the first round. They'll they'll be fine. They'll draft like Tyquan Thornton or something today. Yeah. And I still think there's some wide receivers on the board who who definitely have some upside here in the second and third round tonight. But let's get into some of our players that we like that are still available. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the first round pick number 30 or se- first second round pick number 33 overall. Hear me out here. Would it be absolutely crazy for them to just take Malik Willis and have him sit behind Tom Brady for a year. Like, is that not intriguing? I think they should do it. They've got a good roster. They've got some, some minor needs and they can add some depth and stuff like that. So they don't necessarily need a quarterback who's going to sit behind Tom Brady, but based on like the Tom Brady dolphins rumors, we have no idea if Tom Brady's going to play another season in Tampa. So why not plan for the future in a super high upside athletic quarterback who fell out of the first round? Yeah, I I think actually uh, that's not a pick that I had slated them for to open up the second round. But man, you you like sold me literally right off the bat here, Steven. That would be super fun. And I think honestly, what a great insurance policy for the the Bucks in general for this year, as Tom Brady is presumably in his last season. Say that every year. Uh, but I, I mean, that's such a great move because you're getting a first round prospect um, who, you know, obviously the Steelers passed on voluntarily. I'm not going to get back into that. Um, but you're getting a guy that most people had pegged for the first round. Obviously, it's a weak, it's a weak uh, quarterback class, but you spend a year uh, with him learning behind Tom Brady. Uh, you know, I think you know, the, the arm is probably the biggest, uh, question mark there. And like, uh, can you, um, you know, not the arm strength, but just maybe like how well can he make the throws, like learn behind Tom Brady for a year. Uh, and then you've got the, the rushing upside to tap into, um, you've got the development as an NFL quarterback behind one of the best quarterbacks, uh, to ever play the game. I think that would just be a win-win for everybody, but, 
imagine if you get your future franchise quarterback in uh, with the first pick in the second round, you're going to be pretty happy about that. Wow. How, how little confidence we have in Kyle Trask. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense um, depending on how the direction of the team is going to be moving forward. And like, is, is Tom Brady part of their long-term plans and stuff like that? There's a lot of talent out here though. Like, I know everyone's going to talk about David Ojabo because he's a guy that like, you know, potentially could have been a top 10 pick before he tore his Achilles tendon at Michigan's pro day. He's an edge rusher, but there's other guys. I mean, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn state, um, Josh Paschal from Kentucky, Drake Jackson from USC. There's like a quietly uh, great amount of edge rushers that are usually not available on, on round two. Um, Logan Hall, kind of a hybrid interior defensive lineman, edge rusher. We've talked about George Pickens, guys like Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor, who's going to be a great slot moving forward. Chad Muma, the linebacker from Wyoming. Every tight end is still on the board. There's a lot of talent still there on day two, and I think there's still that that tier that was at the end of the first round, right? That tier is still continuing through now, I, I think is the way to see it. Like, There's probably going to be another 15 picks before we see that tier drop of those second guys like we saw between picks 14 and 15 in the first round. Yeah, I think there's still a ton of talent left on the board. We've talked about George Pickens a ton. I think George Pickens is going to be a stud, and I think he could be a steal in the second round. I think N'Kobe Dean has a chance mm -hmm. to be a, a huge steal in the second round. I was really surprised he, he didn't manage to go in the first round because I think he's a really talented linebacker who can be – a day one like impact player and I, th I think with dean the interesting thing is like it's really a fit thing right like he's he's a smaller linebacker it is what it is but like you need to have someone who is going to scheme up a lot of like stunts and blitzes for him to really maximize what he does so like maybe wink right wink martindale the, the uh giants uh defensive coordinator is a guy who like takes a look at him it's all those Baltimore guys it's like the Chiefs right like Spags would go crazy with him he doesn't fit everyone but I think the teams that like he does fit with will value him a lot right so I, I think the fact that everyone isn't in the Nicobe Dean market probably hurt him but he's gonna find some landing spot that's gonna be nice for him today yeah, if the Chiefs manage to draft him, Chiefs fans will not love it because they already have two young linebackers well, of course on the roster, won't. but I would be excited for that move. It, uh, admitting mistakes is never fun, right? Admitting mistakes yeah. is never fun. It's You mentioned David Ojabo. I really like David Ojabo. He's another guy that, you know, he's probably not going to play next season because of the torn right. Achilles, unfortunately. But he's a guy that if you can hold out hope that he comes back the following year and is a high-impact player, I think he could wind up being a steal. I like Arnold Abiquetti a lot, too, as you already mentioned. And there's a lot of wide receivers that I still like. I like Sky Moore a ton. Uh, I, I like Christian Watson in the second round. I just didn't like Christian Agreed. Watson in the first round. So I, I think there's value there. I'm also curious uh, about... Uh, John Mechie and, and where he's going to go and how teams kind of view him. Cause I think he could be uh, an impact wide receiver that's still available and somebody could wind up getting a steal in like the third round in him. Yeah. I mean the, the injury didn't help him at all during this process. And the fact that so many of these wide receivers ran crazy numbers, the, the other guy I'll mention Taquan Thornton. I think he's going to go today. I mean, high flyer, like Olympic speed legitimately runs right by, DBs in the Big 12 on on nice uh, surfaces, right? Like turf, 
sun, uh, clear days, all that stuff. He's a guy I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks into the second round even. And some people might be surprised by that, but I think that's what it is. The, the tight end run is probably going to start on in round three. I'm talking about like the non-Trey McBride guys. Like Trey McBride is in the tier of himself, I think, in NFL evaluators. But I think we're going to see guys like Kate Outen, uh, Jeremy Rutgert, Jelani Woods, uh, Greg Dulcich from UCLA. All those guys are probably going to go round three. I'm also ready for the run on running backs to to happen tonight because I am ready to start updating my dynasty rankings and start preparing for my dynasty fantasy football draft. So I'm excited to see where Brees Hall like, goes. Do you like Spiller? Walker. No. Do I do I like Spiller? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that if he lands in a good spot, I think he can be an impact player, but I would much rather have Brees Hall or, or Kenneth Walker. Like for Kate, Kate, Kate said no, which is kind of how I feel. I, I watch Spiller and I'm like, I just don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I don't understand why you need to take this guy before like the fifth round. Like, yeah, I, I look at a guy like I, I don't think there's anything that just like pops off the page when I'm watching Isaiah Spiller. Uh, there are question marks about like Kenneth Walker and his receiving ability. Like I have much more questions about Isaiah Spiller's receiving ability. Um, I would much more, uh, you know, like if my team were in the running back market, I'd prefer to look at a guy like Damian Pierce who, you know, shows, I think all of the traits that you want. Um, and I think the, you know, only big question for him would be, can he sustain a full workload? And like, so I think uh, I, I would much rather go with a guy that I think shows some more extraordinary traits than Isaiah Spiller does. Like he's, there's just nothing he's like superb at. Um, right. I don't really get the hype there. And I, I think there's just such a massive tear break there um, between like a, a Kenneth Walker and an Isaiah Spiller. And I don't think people, uh, are really recognizing that tear break for what it is. Cause for me, it's massive. I I'm going to admit something. I'm a James cook guy. I'm, I'm I love James guy. cook. Love James cook. I'm, I'm very excited for James cook as well. Um, like give me James cook, give me Damian Pierce, give me, give me all these guys over Isaiah Spiller. What am I missing? Steven? I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that he's another player that, in the right situation, I don't view him as like an RB one. Like I do like Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, like, cause Kenneth Walker, I think is like, he's that type of running back that I, him. that I like, like, like feed him carries and, and let him break tackles and like do what he does. Like Isaiah Spiller. I just kind of look at him as like more of like a situational running back that could have an impact if he lands in the right situation. But I, yeah, I don't think he needs to go like tonight. I, I don't know if he's going to get drafted in round two or three. James Cook, all James Cook did was every single time Georgia played a big game, caught a 50-yard reception. I like that in a running back. Like, give, <laughs> give me give me the discount running back who could be explosive in the passing game for me. Okay, that's fine. I understand he shared carries. Everyone shares carries at Georgia. Nick Chubb shared carries at Georgia. I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm on board with that. But there's still plenty of talent in the NFL draft coming up tonight. We got rounds two and three. Make sure you stay locked in right here on the SB Nation NFL show. We've got coverage for you guys all weekend, and we'll have plenty of coverage wrapping up everything and getting prepared for the full off season starting on Monday. So make sure you're locked in right here, and please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple and Spotify. 
You can follow Kate on Twitter at FFBallBlast. You can follow Justice at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We will talk to you guys soon.